Hi guys. Hello. Can't oh, see any of I can only I can see your beautiful profile pic, Audrey. Oh, oh, hold on. Start video. I should probably keep that profile pic there. <laughs> <laughs> You're like fine. Oh, no, I feel that way myself. Hey. Hey, Sarah, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good. Sarah, can you see Audrey? She's um, my Yoga Bellies colleague in Newton Mearns. Oh, hello. Hello. I see Joe. Hi, Lorna. Hello. How are you? All right. All right. Yes. Can you see Joe? Did you say Audrey? What? Can you see Joe? I can't see her. I, can I see cannot her name. see Joe. I can see her name there, but I can't see Joe. Hi, Cara. I know. There's a few people without there. Yeah. When I came on to it, it didn't show the video, like I had to switch it on, so it might just yeah, be... Yeah, me too. Good. Maybe. Start video option. Maybe. Yeah, Maybe. there's Joe. Jo. Hi, Joe. Hi, Joe. Hi, Jo. I can't say your name without saying the bra lady after. <laughs> the bra lady. <laughs> Hi, Fiona. Hiya. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Yeah. Hi, so I've quite a few messages of ladies who um can't make the live one, but they're all so excited to watch the recording. It was the yeah. same last week, and then we had loads of ladies watching after. Um, I think Friday night for a pregnant lady is like bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> so it's thank like you. Bedtime for me. I don't know about bedtime for me too. <laughs> I know. Absolutely, absolutely. Sarah, how was your um, sleepover with the, the, the boys yesterday for his birthday? Did you have it? He said he wanted to sleep in my bed. Like he's been asking for weeks to sleep in my bed with me and Lewis and he agreed that he would do it for his birthday. So uh -huh. I got Lewis to sleep and then he came in and he lay there for like 45 minutes without moving. And then he was like, I can't get to sleep. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> then he went and slept in his own bed. <laughs> Oh, oh bless. Oh bless. Hiya. Hi, how are you? Hi. Good, how are you? Yes, all right, all right. Harassed with a, a birthday gift for Alexandra that turned the bath to slime, so I've just left Graham dealing with that. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> well done. So I think we've got like a mixture of my pregnancy ladies. And Audrey. So Audrey yep. is um, Newton Mearns Yoga Bellies and my bestie. And um, Sarah McCallum is the lovely lady who's given up her time to come and talk to us all about breastfeeding. And then if you see on your screens, Joe Dunn. So Joe is um, our, the Glasgow Bra Lady, basically, I call her. <laughs> she runs a brilliant business called Bosom Buddies. Joe usually attends all the NHS breastfeeding classes and then talks at the end about bras, nursing bras, but obviously she's not been able to do that lately. Um, so, and also she does home visits for bra fittings, which she hasn't been able to do, but she has got a brilliant eye, so she could probably, she could probably look at me now. <laughs> <laughs> 
and tell me because she's <laughs> she's seen my boobies three times so she knows <laughs> so thanks to everybody who's coming on and thanks to um partners coming on as well because i think we mentioned in our whatsapp group and orgy i'm sure you'll agree with this yeah, really relies on i think a lot of the thing is having a partner that really supports you through the journey so but they can watch the recording as well don't yeah. worry if they're not here mm-hmm. now so what I'm going to do is just mute everyone apart from Sarah and just let Sarah and I'll keep unmuted there's someone else joining and we've got I mean I've got a few questions already and Sarah's got a wee small few bits prepared so really we want to keep it as informal as possible and be, allow you guys to ask questions so we'll let Sarah do a wee bit and then we'll um, hand over to Jo as well, and she can talk um, bras and nursing bras and things like that as well. So um, without further ado, I'm going to mute everyone and then unmute Sarah. Oh, where are you, Sarah? You jumped down my screen there. Right, Sarah. Right, hi everybody. Um, I'm really nervous about this because I've never done anything like this before. So I've probably <laughs> over-prepared and I do have a little like PowerPoint just because I, I wasn't really sure what we were going to cover and I didn't want us to be stuck for things to talk about. Um, so first off, my name's Sarah. I'm a breastfeeding counsellor with the Lich League. Um, and um, I just thought before we even start, if, did anybody have anything that they were um, thinking about breastfeeding, any particular worries, anything that they wanted to explore and get off their chest before I start? Or are you happy for me just to tell you all the stuff that I think is important and then you could ask questions at the end? Okay, well, I've, un- I've unmuted everybody. So if anyone's got something they want Sarah to cover, then pipe up now if you want to let us know or you... Do you want her just to go ahead? Go go ahead. This yeah. is all really yeah. new. So, uh, cool. Okay. Right. Okay. Don't hang on. Let me. I need to just uh, unmute you again. Right, Sarah. On you go so, then. Again, I'm really sorry. This is going to feel like it's some sort of a lesson, uh, but basically, in my charity at the moment, we're working on. Um, doing online breastfeeding antenatal classes they've come up with like a four hour class and i've tried to condense that into like half an hour <laughs> so i've done it on this slideshow and like i say i hope this isn't too a uh, formal but i just it was the easiest way for me to kind of figure out what i wanted to say so i'm going to click share my screen and hopefully that's going to work um, and you will be able to um see what i can see can everybody see that Yep, that's, yep, I can see that. Yep. Perfect. Okay. Um, so um, I just wanted to tell you a bit about me. So I live in East Kilbride. Um, I've got three little boys aged eight, five and one, but actually the middle one's six. I had my first baby when we lived in Dundee and um, I got really good um, support from the NHS up there, which was just as well because I was really clueless about um, what was happening with breastfeeding. I joined the Lech League when I lived up there and then I moved back to East Kilbride in 2013. And then I qualified as a Lich League leader in 2017. Um, so a lot of people don't really know much about the Lich League. We've only been in East Kilbride since 2017. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of you haven't heard of it. A lot of people got misconceptions about what it is. I think in the past it seemed a bit hippie-ish and people thought, you know, you had to be a certain type of mother to come to the Lich League. But that is definitely not true. Um, anybody at all is welcome to get support from us. 
whether you're doing exclusive breastfeeding or a tiny bit of breastfeeding, whatever it is, we'd be more than happy to help you. Um, so it's a charity. Everybody's a volunteer. We've all gone through an extensive training programme to be a breastfeeding counsellor. Um, and all our support is free. Um, we offer face-to-face -face meetings in local groups. Um, so we normally meet twice a month in East Kilbride, but um, obviously we can't at the moment, so we're doing that on Zoom. You can email us. We have Facebook, um, a Facebook group, and we also have a telephone helpline. So um, most of the stuff that we do, that I do, is through Facebook, just because that's what I'm comfortable with. So we've got a Facebook page that you can look up, um, and we've also got a closed group, which is called like Clalichley Clannisher Support Group, that you could join if you wanted to connect with other mums. That's our email address and we've got a national um, helpline that you can phone as well. We've also got another group that's kind of just restarted in Glasgow as well. So um, there's lots of places that you can get support around here. Um, and I just wanted to talk to you really quickly about our website because I'm only going to be able to touch on a tiny bit of breastfeeding tonight. But our website has so much great stuff on it. And in particular, I wanted to show you that if you go onto the main page, and you click on breastfeeding help and then you scroll down a little bit there's a whole section here called getting breastfeeding started and there's so many articles on there that may be really helpful to you so there's no way we can cover all that tonight but that's it all there for if you want to go away and have a read later um, so it's just thelechi.org.uk um, here we go so um, I think it's really important to remember at the moment, you probably were expecting when you had your baby that your midwife would be coming out to your house every day and you'd have your health visitor. And it's really awful for you guys that things are not going to be the way that you planned. And some people feel that if they're wanting to breastfeed, then how are they going to manage that without the support? That they, that they thought they would have. But you've still got lots of people that can provide support for you. Your partner or a family member is going to be an amazing support to you. And, getting them prepared for what's, what you're going to need can be really helpful before, before the baby comes. You might have friends and family that can be supportive to you. Maybe you've got a friend that's breastfeed, maybe your mum or your aunt did. Um, your midwife or health visitor will still be in touch with you, even if it's not coming to your house. Um, so make sure you're asking for the help, even if you don't think they're particularly forthcoming. Your local breastfeeding support team is still there. I don't know if most of you are going to be, I don't know how things work in Glasgow, but I know in Lanarkshire, they're still phoning people. They've got a Facebook page, they're having meetings online every day so there's still lots of support and there are a lot other breastfeeding organizations um nct association of breastfeeding mothers breastfeeding network they're all basically kind of similar but a wee bit different um, so you can contact any of them so sometimes when people are pregnant they've got concerns they might think that they want to breastfeed but they don't really know if they'll be able to and things that they sometimes hear from other people are maybe they're not going to have enough milk maybe it's going to be really painful Maybe they're not going to manage because they don't have any support. And there can be hundreds of other questions or concerns that people might have. Maybe they've seen a friend go through a really hard time. Maybe you've already had a baby and that was a difficult journey for you. So there are lots of things that people might be worried about. And that will literally be more than happy to talk to you when you're still pregnant and kind of figure out a way through those problems. But I just thought I would go through them really quickly tonight. Um, so one main worry when people are talking about um, not having enough milk is that it's really difficult to know how much your baby's taken from your breast as opposed to feeding them from a bottle. And that can be really disconcerting for people that they want to make sure that they're feeding their baby plenty, that um, they're getting enough milk. And if you can't see what's going in, then that can be really scary. And that's completely understandable. But what's important to remember is that um, 
breastfeeding works on supply and demand. So the more milk that you remove from your breast, whether that's by feeding your baby, or if you can't feed your baby by expressing, the more milk your, baby, your body is going to make. And that's particularly true in the early days, that breastfeeding a lot in the first couple of days really does give your body those signals, we need to keep making this milk for the long term. So it is important to try and breastfeed early and often if you can. Some people say aim to breastfeed in the first hour of life. And if you are not able to breastfeed your baby for the first hour, maybe they're sick, maybe you're sick, um, you could think about hand expressing instead. And we can talk about that later. Um, one thing some people are saying that's really nice about this lockdown, not that there's a lot of nice things, but is that they're not rushing. They're not rushing out to get to different classes, to get to appointments. People aren't coming in to visit and they're feeling that they've got to pass the baby around. So there is a bit of time for you to spend with your baby and really establish breastfeeding. Um, and that's allowing the baby to finish their feed. Make sure that they're satisfied and you're not thinking, oh, let's make this feed finished because I need to get out the door. Watch for their hunger cues. Again, there's more information about that online, but make sure that the baby's not really starving and before you start to feed them because then they're, they're dead worked up and it can make it quite difficult to calm them and get them feeding properly. Um, so sometimes people would say that if by the time they're crying, that's a late cue and you might want to watch for other cues like they're stirring, they're maybe moving their hands a wee bit and then you can offer them a feed and see if they want it. Keeping an eye on their nappies is the best way to know if they're getting enough milk because what comes out must have gone in um, and it depends on what day you're at and again there's more information about that on the website um, but as long as they're having the right number of wet and dirty nappies then you can be confident that they're um, getting enough milk and like I say there's lots of articles on our website if you're looking for more information. Um, skin to skin is a really lovely way to get to know your baby but it's also a fantastic tool in getting breastfeeding off to a good start so if you can be in skin to skin with your baby as much as possible that's helping the hormonal bond between the two of you but also signaling to your body that here's a baby you need to make milk for it and um, sometimes people get really focused in the idea that you get skin to skin as soon as the baby's born and that is amazing but there's no reason why you can't keep doing it for the rest of the time that you're in hospital once you get home sit on the sofa, get your feet up, get something on the telly, just have your baby close to you. You know, if you feel it's not very warm, you can have like, you know, you could have an open top, you could have blankets over them, but keeping them in contact with your skin is, is it's really amazing. And a lot of the time people find if they're having breastfeeding problems, taking a wee bit of time out and spending that time skin to skin can really help get things back on track. Um, so key signs that a baby is getting enough milk are if they're having 8 to 12 breastfeeds in the first 24 hours. If you're feeling that your baby isn't feeding that much, it might be that they're quite sleepy and maybe they're not able to show you the signs that they're hungry. So it's absolutely all right to wake the baby to try and feed them. Um, and make sure that if you that you're offering your breast to the baby. Sometimes um, you might feed, find that they're feeding more than that, and that's totally fine as well. Um, it's really natural for a baby to fall asleep while they're feeding. Um, but as long as they're not sleeping the whole time that they're on the breast and that they are having um, times when they're feeding, then that's fine as well. You can watch for the baby swallowing while they're feeding and that shows that milk is coming out of your breast and into them. And quite often a good place to see that is um, this bit of their jaw that you can see that get a good a good movement while they're feeding and that you can see their wee throat swallowing as well in the early days your breasts will probably feel quite um they might feel normal for the first few days and then when you're 
milk changed from what we call colostrum, the first milk, into the mature milk, suddenly they'll become quite full and um, quite tense. And you might feel at that point that your breast feels softer once the baby's fed. But for the first few days until your milk comes in, you might not notice a difference. And then watching their dirty nappies and um, also watching their weight. Now, I know that's another worry for people at the moment is that you can't probably get your baby weighed as much as you would have normally. But that's certainly something to discuss with your midwife um, to see how that's going to be organised for you. So attaching baby at the breast, there's kind of two main things that you have to think about. Um, the latch of the baby, which is what normally people describe the name that people use for the way that the baby's mouth actually attaches to the breast, but also the positions that the mum is in is really important as well. And then I've said, get help early. So a lot of people like to talk about, um, does it look like a good latch? So it can look bad and somebody might be able to say to you, that's not a great position. But somebody, if somebody says to you that latch looks fine, but you feel it's really uncomfortable, then it doesn't matter what it looks like. Some people say it's a wee bit like um, wearing a pair of shoes, that you could buy a brand new pair of shoes, lovely high heels that you're so excited about, you put them on and everybody thinks they look fast, fantastic, but you're in absolute agony and you can't wait to take them off. That's a sign that they don't fit you, there's something wrong. If you go out for the night with that pair of shoes on, by the time you get home, your feet are going to be a mess. Whereas if you can say right at the start, either I'm changing the shoes, I'm putting on a pair of tights, I'm putting on a plaster, you know, doing something early is going to stop the... Um, the damage from occurring and that is so crucial with breastfeeding. There's no point in letting the baby carry on with a poor latch and really damaging your breasts and your nipples and then asking somebody to help you. As soon as you realise things aren't right, get some help. Um, so what's really important about how you attach the baby to the breast is um, this. So you're not wanting baby to be coming straight on at you. You're not wanting your nipple to be going straight into their mouth. Like you can see in that picture, it's something that we call an asymmetric latch. So you're wanting to have, um, I'm just trying to see if I can move all these pictures out of the way. You're wanting to have the baby's head at an angle. So the baby's head's tilted back. Um, their lower jaw needs to be nicely um, attached to your breast here. You want them to take a big mouthful of breast. You don't want to be holding your breast like dead high or dead low or anything like that. Bring the baby to the breast. Don't be trying to shove your breast into their mouth because that's probably not a sustainable position. So you get yourself nice and comfy and then move the baby towards you. Um, it's easier when the breast is soft. So that's another thing that we can talk about is... Um, when I was saying maybe about day three, when your milk comes in, sometimes your breast can be like rocks and it can be really difficult for baby to latch onto that. But there's a wee trick called reverse pressure softening, which is when you can use your fingers to push some of that um, fluid that's accumulated in your breast out of the way. Um, people think it's all milk, but actually a lot of it's fluid that's in the skin. And you can um, take your fingers kind of like this and um, push them onto your breast. And if you even just hold them like that for a wee minute, when you take them away, a lot of the fluid's pushed back and then baby will be able to latch better. But again, all this is on our website. You don't need to um, remember it all just now. Um, so you're wanting that lovely position that the baby's nose is nice and free away from the breast and that they're almost looking upward. They're not looking right into you, they're looking up. 
Um, so that baby there's got a lovely nice uh, wide mouth, their chin's right into the breast, their nose is nice and free so they can breathe fine um, and they're able to look up. And mum looks as if she's in quite a comfy position, just leaning back a wee bit. So something like that is going to be the most comfortable for you and going to enable the baby to take a big mouthful of breast. And the reason that's important is that um, you want the baby's you want your nipple to be right at the back of the baby's mouth, up at the top, where it's soft. You don't want it to be at the front, where it's a hard palate. You want it to be right at the soft, back, where it's soft. So that your nipple shouldn't be actually touching anything in the baby's mouth. They're using their tongue to um, at the bottom to um, get milk from the breast, but it's not the actual end of your nipple. If you've got a good position, shouldn't be touching anything, and it shouldn't be getting sore. There are a hundred positions that um, people can use for breastfeeding and it's whatever feels right for you but a lot of mums find a laid back position is really nice that we say get yourself in a position on the couch in bed the kind of position that you would be in if you were just relaxing watching telly in bed so a supported back maybe some cushions behind you legs up just kind of chilling out and helping using gravity to help you rather than against you. So particularly on both these pictures, the baby's lying on mum's chest and or her abdomen. She's not having to hold that baby up. She's not having to sit for hours like this while the baby's feeding. It's really relaxed. Gravity's not pulling the baby down. It's keeping the baby nice and close to her. And it also then means that you're probably going to have a free hand. You're not having, you could, you're able to, you know, sit and have a drink or look at your phone or whatever. You're not really trapped holding the baby. Um, and there's lots of stuff online about this. Sometimes it's called laid back breastfeeding. Sometimes it's called biological nurturing. Um, but we seem to find that having the baby's body in such close contact with their mum and um, seems to encourage them to relax and open their mouth wider. They have pressure points apparently on the inside of their knees and on the tops of their feet and when they're in contact with their mum again that helps them relax so positions like this are really lovely. If you would rather use another position though then that's totally fine um, and it's whatever suits you and there's lots of articles online and on our website that can show you different positions but what matters is that you're comfortable and that the baby's able to get a good latch with their mouth. Another thing that I wanted to talk about is um, antenatal expression. Now, I don't know if any of you have even heard of this, but it's something that's becoming more and more popular. The idea is that you can um, start to hand express some of the first milk, the colostrum, while you're still pregnant. So that colostrum is sometimes called liquid gold, and it's really, really small amounts of this milk that baby needs. Um, it's packed full of calories and really rich in antibodies that help them fight off infection. So some people like to start doing that while they're pregnant because it gives them an opportunity to learn how to hand express while they're still pregnant and they don't have a screaming baby there needing their attention. It can be helpful to familiarise yourself with your breasts and how they make milk. If you want to, you can save the colostrum that you express. You can keep that in the freezer um, and you can take some of it with you in the hospital to the hospital when you go to have your baby. If something goes wrong and you're not able to feed your baby afterwards, um, then you've got that amazing supply of your own milk right there. Um, some people in particular worry about that, maybe if they've got diabetes or if they know they're gonna have a C-section. Um, some people just like the reassurance that they've got a little bit of their own milk there. But again, you don't need to do this. You don't need to keep your own milk. Um, 
but it's also nice that it can make you feel quite confident in being able to hand express and the fact that you know that there's milk there that will be able to feed your baby. A lot of mums find that they need to hand express for a little while after their baby's born and if you've already learned how to do it before your baby's arrived then you'll be feeling really confident. Um, the one thing to say is sometimes it's really difficult to hand express. Sometimes mums can't get any milk out when they're still pregnant and that does not mean that you won't have milk when baby's there. It just means that it's been a bit more tricky for you than other people. Um, and we've got loads of information on our website again about that if that's something that you wanted to think about. So if your baby isn't latching on or isn't feeding well or has to go to the neonatal unit or something happens that you weren't expecting, the most important thing to remember about any of this is keep your baby close if you can, keep your baby fed, whether that's with your own milk if possible, or if you need to use formula, and keep your milk flowing. That means even if your baby isn't feeding directly from you, try to either hand express or use a pump if your mature milk is in to keep telling your body that you need to keep it make, you need it to keep making milk for when your for when things get back on track. So keep your baby close, keep your baby fed, and keep your milk flowing is one of the most important things that you can remember. And the only other thing is to just ask for help. There are a million questions that people might have. There are a million different things that can happen once the baby's born. It's totally impossible to go through them all just now. Um, but feel free to contact me anytime. If you've got a question just now that you don't want to ask in the group, if you want support, even while you're still in hospital, if you feel like, oh, do you know, I've got a wee question that I don't want to bother anybody about in the ward, you can message me or email me anytime. You can join our Facebook group just now while you're still pregnant and come along to any meetings that we're having. Sometimes people can find that they're um, by finding a support group when they're still pregnant, that it makes it less scary once the baby's here. You already know who you can contact um, for support. And I think that's all I really had to say. Um, I don't know if any of you have got any questions that you want to ask now or if you want to just leave it. Um, at that, and you can contact me later. Um, let me unmute and uh, everybody then, Sarah. Thanks so much for that. Um, it was so good. Um, oh. I love the photographs as well. They were just so beautiful, so yeah. so beautiful. I could see Audrey's face, and I was the same. Uh, just going, oh, I'd love to do it again. Um, what I should have said was a lot of those slides were taken from this um, bigger antenatal course that we're doing so it's absolutely free to sign up um, at the moment we're just kind of starting them off so I think there is a waiting list things like that but we're doing the first one in Scotland is starting on Sunday it's two two-hour sessions and it's much more in depth than that was obviously um, so if any of you feel that you would like to do that then if you pop over to our website you should be able to find the information for that. Sarah, can I ask, um, obviously you're up in musical grade, which is really handy for, for the ladies that are in Newton Mairns near me, but some of my clients are maybe not as, as close as that. But um, East Renfrewshire, or is there a Little Itch League around here, or are you guys the closest? Yep, so there is Little Itch League in Glasgow. Um, okay. So they normally meet once a month in the Glasgow's women, Glasgow Women's Library, which is in the East End, but obviously okay. they're not meeting there just now, but they are having yeah. Zoom meetings as well. Okay. So I'm pretty sure Justice went to your um, class, is that right, Annie? It was Ellie's class. Oh, yes. somebody else's yes. class. Yeah, yeah, Ellie's. So the girl that runs the literally Glasgow has just had a baby. She's eight weeks okay. old, her wee baby, um, but she's still doing Zoom meetings, so we're having one Glasgow meeting a month, one Lanarkshire meeting a month, but anyone okay. can join any of them, it really doesn't matter. Okay, that's fine. Um, 
Sarah, I was wondering as well, do you think, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole here, but do you think there's people have unrealistic expectations of breastfeeding? Do you think women are led to believe, well, it is the most natural thing in the world and it can be a very easy journey, but do you think people or women and partners get stressed yeah. out when things don't go yeah. that textbook way and they think, oh God, right. do you think, what do you think about that? Do you think? That seems to be a really big debate in breastfeeding sport of how much do you tell mums before they have their baby. Yeah. I think people think if they tell mums that it's going to be hard, then they're not going to want to do it. Mm -hmm. But as like you say, if you tell them that it's going to be dead easy and it's not, then they'll feel like they've failed. That's, um, that's my opinion anyway. I yeah, think people totally. are led to believe it. Do you agree or do as well? I think totally, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And I think yeah. you're led to believe that your baby will feed every few hours so you can have your visitors in and then they'll leave and then, oh, it's time for a baby. But basically, in my personal experience with the three of them, basically every time they're crying, that's, they weren't fed. Then it's yeah. like, you're like, oh, and it was a real shock to our system. We were like, they can't be hungry again. They can't be hungry again. And it does get so much easier, so much easier. But it's those early days that are really really trying yeah and I think you you did hit the nail on the head there Sarah with, with this ridiculous situation that we're finding ourselves in um I think that despite that a lot of mothers who've never breastfed or having their first babies may find it easier to establish breastfeeding I'm, ho I'm hoping that's the case because there'll be less introduction to their daily life yep. that they will yeah. just be at home with their partners and their babies and their other children um and there are no there's no expectation and there's no, oh, I need to put my boobs away because, you know, my father-in-law is coming or, or whatever the case is, uh, that they, they will have that uninterrupted time. And I think regardless of a different type of support out there for everybody, I think they will find that having that constant closeness to their babies is going to be amazing. Yeah. So I think um, a lot of people find you know, in cultures where um, breastfeeding is still really um, the norm, a lot of cultures where women are encouraged to stay home for the first 40 days or whatever, and they're looked after, and their job is to basically sit on the couch or in their bed and feed their baby, and they're not expected to be a hostess and making tea for all these grannies that are coming in to visit and all the neighbours that want to see the baby and they're not expected to be passing their baby round to every person that wants a cuddle that it is definitely easier to establish breastfeeding in that kind of society if they've got partners that are you know happy to take on the jobs that they used to do while they're doing the, the most important job there is of looking after their baby nobody else can be can breastfeed their baby but somebody else can do everything else in the house and mm -hmm. um, so yeah absolutely if, if they're I think in this um, period that we're going through people are getting an opportunity to really just kind of chill out and, and relax yeah. with their baby hopefully and then on the other hand maybe people are going to be panicked though that if things are difficult there won't be the support that they were expecting but there is still a lot of support out there and people are trying really hard to change the way that they offer their support to yeah. make sure that new mums are still are still I think, I think the support forums though haven't changed in that great sense though like it would always have been making a wee phone call do you know like yeah. people should sh you know so it's good in that sense that don't feel like you said don't feel the support's not there because it yeah. is 
100% there and just even having someone to speak to over the phone or like you say in the middle of the night like yeah. there's always people on these forums and everything aren't yeah. there that's so. true so that, I mean you're right so that there's always face-to-face -face meetings but they're like you're saying maybe once or twice a once a week or whatever whereas the websites have always been yeah really good mm -hmm. eh, for directing you to people that you can chat with or phone or get get help and support immediately so that hasn't changed which, which is really good Definitely. yeah does anyone else i'm going to throw it out again see if there's else got any questions for sarah while we've got her is anybody <laughs> go for it <laughs> go for it um, so i've said to my last week girl um probably for about five months and I had a really positive experience. Touchwood came out. She la she latched on really well. Like I I did have a bit of a textbook experience. I was a bit I think of course made it easier for me. So she's going to be seventeen months when this baby's born. But what I did really struggle with the last time was expressing. And it's more for me, like a bit later on, that I can have a bit more freedom so that my partner can feed the baby so that I think I just don't want to I'm conscious of the baby being latched onto me more often and the other like my wee girl feeling left out so I think I want to if there's any tips for expressing just so I can balance that a wee bit more like between the two kids. Sure so I think I can totally see why you would um, have some concerns particularly if you're going to have a small age gap that you want to make sure that you're able to divide mm -hmm. your time and that meeting everybody's needs and that can be difficult no matter how you're feeding your baby so I think there's ways that you can do that without expressing if that's not something okay. that people want to do that you know people talk about like having special time with your older child while you're feeding the baby you know maybe you've got a special box of stuff that only comes out while the baby's needing a feed so it's actually quite mm -hmm. exciting that you're like oh the baby needs a feed let's get out this box of toys and we can play with it some people I know you've recently had a chat about um like baby wearing and slings some people can can go on with feeding their baby in the sling so if they've got to take their kids to the park or whatever they can just still feed their baby but yeah expressing is definitely something that a lot of people find quite tricky um, mm -hmm. when you're feeding your baby directly you're looking at them you love them you're getting all that hormonal um, messaging that's telling your body to release the milk but when you're expressing it's completely different and for some women they just find it really difficult that they can't do it at all um, mm -hmm. So I'm sure this is stuff that you heard before, but things like making sure that you're relaxed and warm, maybe having a picture of your baby or a little video yeah. of your baby that you can watch. But it's really not as simple as just sticking a pump on and hoping that the milk comes out. When your baby is feeding, they, ch they um, change their suckling pattern through the feed. So they will do something different with their tongue to get your milk to start flowing. And then they'll start um, actively swallowing once the milk's going. So mm -hmm. sometimes there's pumps that replicate that. I'm not sure that that's necessary. But what you can do instead is um, a technique called um, stroke, massage stroke shake. I'm going to be getting that wrong. So it's about spending a bit of time before you even start expressing, just getting ready. So massaging your whole breast to kind of loosen it up give your breast the idea that like something's happening doing that with your fingers no matter how you're using whether it's a, your hand expressing or a pump can just really again help with those hormones stroking okay. down your breast with your fingers or a comb from the back of your breast down to your nipple seems to help 
and then this sounds ridiculous, but leaning over and like shuggling your boobs <laughs> can make gravity to help the milk flow as well. And people find yeah. that if they genuinely spend like two minutes doing the prep work, and again, there's stuff on our website about this, that when okay. they actually put the pump on, it really helps. The other thing is there's some stuff um, from Stanford University about they did a lot of work with um, premature babies that were in the neonatal unit and how they could help mums make more milk with using their hands while they were pumping. So even yeah. if you've got a pump and it's on, still like giving a wee massage with your hands and that kind of thing seems to just really, really affect the amount of milk that you can get out. Okay. So there are lots of different things that you can try and if somebody Julianne or somebody else is trying to express and they think it's just not happening for them there are lots of things that you can try to, to make a difference yeah. um, but it is certainly not always easy and okay. the amount that you can express definitely does not correlate with the amount of milk that is there for your baby so if you yeah. just need that you want to try and express and you're not getting anything out please don't think that that means that your baby's not getting anything out because that's just not how it works yeah, I did worry about that at first, but then I realised because she she was like she didn't really get upset and stuff. Or she was or we were quite good at picking up in the signals to feed her, so it was just like there was nothing left to express. I did it for like an hour, and I'd be lucky if I'd announced. I was like, so yeah, but um, that's, I'll have a wee look and like for more of those tips. That might yeah. be helpful. Thank you. Cool. Anyone else got any questions? I keep wondering about uh, nipple shields, if you think they're helpful. My daughter had a really bad latch and it was so painful all the time. So I ended up having to use nipple shields just because the skin was broken as well. Um, yeah. Are they helpful or do they hinder in the long term? I wasn't sure if I was doing the right thing. So they're definitely quite controversial. Um, it used to be in the past that people were very anti-nipple shields. So for anyone that doesn't know, they're like a bit of plastic that you can put over your nipple and it basically kind of protects your nipple if the baby's got a bad latch. People didn't really like them because they were very thick plastic. The baby would get used to them. You couldn't stop using them. They were also interfering with breastfeeding. So maybe the baby wasn't removing as much milk as they would have done otherwise. So I would say nowadays they're much better. They're much thinner, like silicon. They don't cause as many problems, but it's not really a solution to something. So what we would say is rather than just think to yourself, this isn't, there's something not right, I'm going to get a nipple shield. It would be better to say there's something not right, I'm going to get someone to see if they can help me fix the problem. And it might be while you're working on getting the problem fixed that nipple shields is one of the things that you have to try. But um, for most people, it wouldn't be a solution by itself. You know, that you might start using the nipple shield, but whatever was going wrong in the first place, if you don't fix that, then, you know, you're, you're just going to have to keep using the nipple shield or give up or, you know. So I don't know if that fits with your own experience, Cara, but um, we would say don't, certainly don't buy them before you have your baby or anything like that. They're not something that most people need. But a lot of the time, if you can realise that there's a problem before things get bad, like before your skin gets broken, before you're in a lot of pain, um, or even once that happens, get someone to see if they can help figure out what might be going on so that you don't need to use them. But if you do need to use them, then that's totally fine. And for a lot of people, they would say there was no way they could have continued without them. Yeah. Do you know what was going on with your, with your baby? Um, I think it was just a really bad latch and she had a tongue tie but she had that fixed really early, it was nipped quite early, um, but she just 
it was never comfortable. It was always really painful. So I ended up, I did give up after about six weeks. Yeah. Do you have, do you feel a bit anxious about that cara this time? Do you think, yes. yeah. I really wanted to rescue because I was gutted. Mm-hmm. I really want to get it right, but she was just never comfortable. And I had the advisors come out to the house a few times with lots of help. And often they could help and I could get kind of semi-decent, it would be all right. And then I, once they were gone, I'd try again, it would just be back to agony. Yeah. Get it right. Yeah. I think Nola had really bad reflux as well, Cara, as well, which didn't help. Yeah. yeah. So I'm glad you mentioned tongue tie because that was something that I thought might come up. I don't know um, if anybody knows what that is, but um, everybody's tongue is tethered to the bottom of their mouth with a bit of um, skin. And we would say a baby's got a tongue tie if that bit of skin is too long and it's holding their tongue right down at the bottom of their mouth and they're not able to move it properly. Because really the tongue is how babies breastfeed. They use their tongue to get the milk out of the breast. And if they can't move their tongue like they um, need to be able to, then they can't get milk out of the breast. They might not be putting on weight properly. Your breast might not be in the right position in their mouth, so it can get really sore, like happened to Cara. Um, It is... It seems very pop- common at the moment that a lot of babies seem to have a tongue tie and it's not really clear why that's happening. Um, but maybe part of it is that babies have always had tongue ties, but that in the past people were much better at identifying them and dealing with them quickly. You hear stories, I don't know if they're just old wives' tales, that mid- what midwives used to have one long nail. And if they thought a baby had a tongue tie, they would literally just, just like when that. they were born, like, just do that. Yeah. Seriously? Oh, God. <laughs> Whereas now, if the baby's got a tongue tie, they can have a, a little simple snip procedure, but it has to be done um, at the hospital. So people are always asking when they're having problems with breastfeeding, could this be a tongue tie? And I think my message would be, don't believe anyone that tells you that it's not. So diagnosing a baby with a tongue tie is really complicated and it's not just a case of a midwife or a health visitor having a quick look in their mouth and saying well that's not a tongue tie it's all about how the baby uses their tongue so a proper assessment for a tongue tie is looking but also the person getting their fingers in the baby's mouth and having a real good understanding of how that baby is able to use their tongue and most of the time that is not going to be your bog standard midwife health visitor it's not even me, that's out with what I can do. What people should be able to do is give you some information about whether it could be a tongue tie, what it might feel like if it's a tongue tie and the signs of that, and then refer you on to somebody that knows what they're talking about. So don't let, if you are seriously worried about a tongue tie, make sure the person that is telling you that the, the baby doesn't have one really knows what they're talking about. And sometimes people would say the only person that is diagnosed that is qualified to diagnose a tongue tie is the person that's qualified to cut it. So it's not just any bog standard person that you're seeing. Um, and I think sometimes if there's if you think that things are going wrong and you've done everything that you can, maybe your first baby had a tongue tie, you think your second baby might have one, um, push for somebody to to check it properly. The other thing that I would say is that a snip of their tongue tie isn't always a magic cure. They have been used to their tongue being stuck to the bottom of their mouth for nine months, plus Mm -hmm. however many weeks it's been before somebody's realised there's a problem. They are really used to their tongue the way it is. And for a lot of babies, it can take a lot of time for them to learn how to use it again once the snip has been done. So a lot of mums are really disheartened when they get the procedure done and things aren't fixed overnight, but that's absolutely to be expected. Some people say it's as many weeks. 
that it took to get it cut that it takes for them to learn to use it. So if your baby was six weeks when they got their tongue tied cut, it might take another six weeks for them to get used to their new tongue. So I know a lot of this information is really overwhelming just now, particularly if you don't really know anything about breastfeeding. But um, if you feel that there is a situation like this, that you're worried something's going on, just get some advice from someone that knows what they're talking about. Um, and like I say, we're not qualified to diagnose a tongue tie, but we can certainly help you if you think that your baby has one. Yeah, who would that be? Who would be that qualified person? Because I'm just thinking about my GP and know that it's not him. It's <laughs> so, definitely not your GP. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Obviously not your GP, but wait, so through the health visitor route? Yeah, through your health visitor or your midwife. So right. in Wishaw, there is a lady called Anne-Marie Bruce, who is the head of the infant feeding team that she runs. Of course, infant feeding. Okay. Once or twice a week where she... Um, gets the referrals, she gets the baby in, she examines them and she can snip it right there and then. At the moment in Lanarkshire, I don't know how that's working with the coronavirus, but before that we had an excellent service. In Glasgow, unfortunately, it is not as good. My understanding is that they lost a lot of the people that were trained to do the procedure and that then meant there was a really long waiting list. Okay. And I've heard horror stories of people in Glasgow being told that um, they'd have to wait like eight, ten weeks to see somebody, which is just unbearable when you're worried about your baby and you're in pain and all these kind of things. The other thing that I probably should have mentioned is there's different levels of support of breastfeeding. So um, there's peer supporters that are um, mums that have maybe done um, maybe 20 hours of education and they're able to help with a lot of the basic stuff. There's breastfeeding counsellors, which is people like myself. And then the step above that is people um, like lactation consultants. So I'll, anyone can call themselves a lactation consultant. It doesn't mean anything. But what does mean something is an IBCLC, and that stands for International Board Certified Lactation Consultant. And that is somebody who has done hours and like hundreds of hours of breastfeeding education and breastfeeding supporting and they are a real expert we don't really live in a society where we value these people like in america they have lots of them in europe they have lots of them um, but there are now a few in scotland they normally work privately so they charge people for their services and i know that some of them are also able to assess and divide a tongue tie but not many of them but that is also something, if you were wanting to, that you could think about. And again, I don't know how their services are working while, while we're in lockdown. Cool. Um, I just had a quick question. How can daddies help to support, do you think? I think dads are unbelievably important in breastfeeding. I, um, I agree. So that's why I'm just trying to, there's two daddies on. So <laughs> we're going to give these all the advice. On the dad. Chief, chief tea maker and juice maker. <laughs> totally, totally. What so else? You Chief Winder, Winder. Yeah. Chief Winder, yeah. Uh, yeah. At the beginning you had said, like, do you think people have got unrealistic expectations of breastfeeding? And yeah, I think that is true because for a lot of people, for the first few weeks, they just feel like they're stuck on the couch. And that is really difficult to handle when you've been somebody that's been active and running your house and getting out and about. So... For a dad to understand that that is normal is a massive thing, that they can help you by setting you up a wee area on the couch where you've got the remote, you've got a drink, you've maybe got some snacks that you can eat with one hand, they are spending time with you. I mean, it's a great opportunity. Not that we're not all doing this in lockdown anyway, but to sit on the couch and just chill out together and watch a box set and, you know, spend some time together. Um, 
So looking after the mum, like we call it mothering the mother, like looking after the mum for all the things that she needs. She's probably been through, well, she's obviously been through pregnancy, but maybe the labour's been hard. Maybe she's had a section. She's got a lot to recover from. And that is an amazing role if you're able to do that for your partner, to really support her through that, make sure that she's got what she needs. But in terms of actually the baby, sometimes dads can feel like... Um, that they're a bit useless because baby is getting all their milk from the mum and maybe you've decided that you don't want to express and use bottles that you just want to feed your baby and dad might feel how am I supposed to bond with the baby but oh my gosh like there's so much other things that you can do skin to skin is great with dads as well the baby has gone through nine months of listening to their voice through your belly that they will know their dad as soon as they're born and skin to skin with their dad can be so settling for the baby and a really lovely bonding experience with for the dad um, and again that doesn't have to be in hospital when they get home if the baby's been a bit fractious if they're not really settling if you're sure that they've had a decent feed but they're just not settling down you can give them to dad and you can you know, open his top and put the baby skin to skin or just walk around. A lot of babies really settle well. Maybe dad might talk to them or sing to them and that just really settles them down. Some dads really love wearing their babies in a sling. We Sometimes, talked about this last week actually. Yeah. We were talking about daddies and slings and stuff and it was really nice talking about exactly yeah. things. Sometimes they will in a sling for mum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry you, you cut out there. Um Sometimes baby won't settle for mum because they can just smell that milk all the time, but they'll settle really well for dad. I think things like sometimes um, if you have friends or family that aren't particularly supportive of breastfeeding, you might feel under attack a lot. And dads have got an excellent role there to play as well of saying, you know, maybe to their mum, look, mum, I know this isn't the way that you wanted to do things, but this is the decision that we've made and this is what we're going to try. And I would really, you know, like mm-hmm. you to respect that and you know there's yes okay feeding a baby takes up a lot of a day but dads can also like my husband's always done all the baths all the that's what we were saying uh-huh yeah. baths nappy changes and i'm actually not very good at winding a baby i actually am not good Rude's yeah. amazing at it like yeah. see with our nieces and nephews he's like giving them here bang 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 there you go yeah. Back. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah so there's, there's there lots of so much that dad can do and I think just emotionally, like breastfeeding can be tough. Like it definitely is a really different experience than formula feeding a baby. And if you've got friends that are maybe formula feeding and their baby seems to settle for longer stretches or, you know, you feel that they are maybe getting a bit more time away from their baby because somebody else is able to feed them. It can make you feel like, oh, this is really hard work. And that's, again can play such a great role of saying like you're doing such an amazing thing I'm so proud of you you know really being a cheerleader for 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 what you've wanted to do being there for you when you're having a really rubbish day definitely and always start the day fresh so whatever said to your partners in the middle of the night Start again. Start again in the morning. Never count. Never count after midnight or before no. eight a.m. <laughs> didn't, didn't happen. No. So, right. Thank you, Sarah. Will we give? Will we pass over to Jo now? And Jo can just talk Yay. about what she does. Thank you, Sarah. I love that. Thank you. It was brilliant. Well, that was okay. But like, like I say, just get in touch with me anytime. I'd be more than happy to hear from any of you or any of your friends or whatever. Some people do become members of Lilich League, just in case you ever hear that banded about, but we are absolutely open to everybody, so just get in touch anytime. Thank you.
Thank you, Sarah. Thank cool. You. Right, let me mute everybody as well now, and then just so that Joe doesn't get sort of um always jumps down when I do that. Two secs. Where are you, Joe? There you are. Hi, Joe. Oh. Thanks for joining us. This all feels very strange. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me, first of all. Can you hear me okay? Yep, can hear you yeah. great. Um, okay, just to say to the girls that um, I'm not here to sell anything. I'm just here to give a wee bit of advice and I would be delighted um, if you get in touch, if you need any help at all, as far as nursing bras are concerned. It's a bit of a minefield. Um, and I had my first nursing bra fitted in 1986, so it's a long time ago. I, when I went into the shop to be fitted, the lady assured me that I needed to have a bigger bra um, than I currently had, um, and that would be fine for breastfeeding. So I walked into the shop, I still remember, wearing a 34B bra, which is quite small, um, and came out apparently wearing a 38DD bra. I still have that bra, so apologies to the, the daddies that are watching. <laughs> it's due to go to a museum soon. <laughs> which was absolutely huge. Uh, it was made of horrible thin cheap nylon and it had um, nasty little zips down the side. So every time you opened it, you got stuck on the way back. <gasps> oh God. Back in the <laughs> Breastfeeding really wasn't being encouraged. You were told that breast was best for your baby and then they forgot all about it. So if you actually asked um, in the ward, I want to breastfeed my child, they just left you alone and said, well, pop them on, dear. So that's what I was told. Um, so breastfeeding was difficult enough, but to have these bras that didn't fit was even worse. So by the time I got home, we were kept in for a week back then. Things have changed. Um, I had nothing to wear at all, so I went back into my normal underwired bras, which immediately started to cause problems, but I had no idea that what I was doing was so wrong. My milk came in, um, it, was, it was already in in hospital, but the wires were digging, it was really uncomfortable, and most of the time I spent taking my bra off just to try and feed the baby. The midwives and health visitors told me that I was doing absolutely marvellously well, um, which I, I didn't believe, but I didn't want to admit it. Um, so breastfeeding was pretty uh, hard. And these days there's so much support around. I really, really wish my babies uh, were being born now um, if I wanted to breastfeed because it's so nice, all the things you do for each other. Anyway, the result of that was bruising bodies because I went through three pregnancies, three babies, same problems with bras every time. And eventually thought there must be somebody out there who knows what they're doing. So I started the company on my own, got trained, and um, eventually the NHS took me on as an advisor at their um, antenatal classes, which I still do, about 18 of a month. Um, I just go in to basically give them advice on what they need, and if they want, they can contact me direct, and I'll organise the fittings. The fittings are done at home or in the ward where people get caught out. Or in the, um, I'm also allowed to get into the neonatal wards. So whatever happens to the ladies out there, please be assured that I'm here for you. I know we can't do what we normally do right now, but I'm at the end of a phone, email, Facebook, all these things, and I'll help where I can. But just to give you an idea of 
what a decent nursing bra should look like compared to what I was subjected to. Um, you should have your bra size reduced and your cup size increased for the majority of women. Sometimes in a second or, or third pregnancy, it's slightly different because the rib cage expands more. But in, if it's a first time baby, if you were a size 34 before you fell pregnant, that's what you'll be once you've delivered the baby. You will not be, um, you might have gone up through pregnancy, but you'll come back down. The cup size is the part that's really important because that will increase. And as you, anybody there that's already breastfed, Annie and Audrey will know, it increased vastly in some cases. Anything from one to six cup sizes. And that's all down to being able to see the mum and see um, the shape of her breast and her back, which is really important to me, um, which can let me work out from those visions what size she's going to be. The average small mum ABC cup will go up about three cup sizes. If you're a fuller mum, you'll actually go up a little bit less. Um, so if you start pregnancy as a fuller cup size, like an F or a G, then the chances are that you'll only go up another one or two at the most. The smaller mums actually suffer a wee bit more and their boobs are heavier and um, they feel a wee bit more uncomfortable. But everybody needs a good support bra, especially in those early weeks, so that the breast is held back against the body. You don't have pressure against the ligaments that run behind your collarbone. They, they're called your Cooper's ligaments and they were discovered by a doctor way back in the 1800s called Dr. Cooper. The surgeons these days will unkindly call them your Cooper's droopers because they take <laughs> when you breastfeed, pull the breast down and ruin the shape at the top. So what you need to do is make sure your breast is back against your body, held securely, there's no digging in the middle, there's no wire to cut into you anywhere and that you've got good firm shoulder straps to keep everything in place. Your, your bra also needs to expand at the top to allow for um, when the milk comes in and also when things settle down, you still need that little bit extra expansion for any point of the day or overnight when you get engorged. So a decent nursing bra will have the right fabric. I'll show you this one if anybody can see it properly. So the right fabric, which is cotton, polyamide um, are the best. And a, a, a fabric, a new fabric called Modal, which is a lovely breathable fabric that you'll get in a lot of padded bras. This one's particularly good. Um, I think this was one of Katie's actually. And you can open the centre of this bra to release it and give more room um, or wear it tied in, in the middle as a normal daytime bra. It's got great support at the side and it holds everything in place. So for early feeders, it's a really, really good bra. There are lots of prettier versions around these days. Um, that one, for example, is called a hot milk bra. Um, it's all cotton lined and the inside of the bra is really important. But that internal fabric is not something that will make you sweat. Thrush grows very easily inside a nursing bra. There's a lot of moisture and a lot of heat and it, it, it starts to germ off and then if you don't let it release you end up with uh, thrush which is something that's hard to get rid of and passes to the baby. One tip I always give the girls is change your breast pads every time you feed for the first six weeks so that there's no moisture being retained where you don't realise it is. Some of the breast pads are too clever these days. They don't actually make you feel wet. We had breast pads that felt more like a, a nappy inside your bra. They were dreadful, but you knew they needed changed. So be careful and be careful with washable ones as well. They sometimes are so comfortable that you don't realise that they need changed. Okay. Um, padded bras need to be uh, a different size quite often. So if you're buying a, a padded bra, girls, make sure 
that the cup will fold in the way to give you good access for the baby and that it's not so thick that you can't actually release it to feed. So when you're feeding, you want to have perfect access for the wee one to come down to the breast with nothing in their way. So this one will clip down and it's got padding in it. So you want it to come in the way, fold it under and create a shelf underneath the breast so that you've got plenty of room for the baby to come round. If you're brass padded, don't buy a wide sling inside. It needs to be narrow so that the baby can still get perfect access to the breast. That one, the black one I was showing you is what's called an A-frame bra. Some girls with fuller busts like these because they cover more breast. So if you've got visitors coming in and you think, I don't really want to feed in front of them, these can be a good option, but you must make sure that the inside of the bra will stretch. So don't buy anything that's too tight across that area. So up here needs to stretch across the top of the breast and fold well down underneath. This is one of my favorite bras actually. I wear it myself quite a lot. Now, the nasties, um, the underwiring is now available in the shops in nursing bras. Um, I have rescued so many people from over the years. Please, please think twice. This bra here has um, got a solid wire inside and it's supposed to be flexible. I can't flex that any more than I can flex a normal wired bra. And the girl that gave me it was at a breastfeeding class and said, I will not come out of my underwires under any circumstances. I'm too heavy. And she was in agony with this bra. I had to go and rescue her. And eventually she was quite happy with the non-wired ones. So please, whatever else you do, stay away from them. They're not good. Um, and there's an awful lot of stores selling them now. Okay, they do, they're pretty nasty. They always are very glamorous, very expensive, and do a lot of damage. Okay. The other thing um, in the shops to watch for is plain bras that look very bog standard. They don't support very well, but because they don't support very well, the way they make up for that is put an insert underneath the arm, which is plastic, tends to pop out and cut your underarm. Um, and I've had so many girls that have had these problems. That's a, a kind of bog standard chain stored bra, but the worst part about it is the plastic inside. It needs to be avoided. If you're buying in a chain store, feel the underarm, give it a good push um, and make sure there's nothing inside that part there. Your milk glands are traveling all the way down here and stopping the flow in the middle is what often causes mastitis and we don't need anybody getting that. Okay, nighttime, you need something softer for bedtime, generally a soft sleep bra. You might have bought maternity bras that will double up, so don't buy what you don't need. But um, some of the sleep bras these days are so comfortable and they call these everyday bras, so you can use it during the day, up to F cup, beyond F cup you need stronger. But that one is a, a very plain, soft sleep bra. There's extra pads inside, so if you get very wet, those will um, be, you can remove those and wash them. Um, but they're really, really comfortable for overnight. But like I say, it's still usable for during the day. Or a nursing dress top, which I will model for you. Sorry, daddies. Um, <laughs> This, you I think all the daddies are away anyway. They're like, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> these clip down, and this is how your nursing bras work as well. They just clip down the front, fold down, and let you pop your breast pad in there, ready to feed. And they work for overnight or during the day. Okay, so the wee rules to remember: bra size down, cup size up. Try to remember that one thing, and you shouldn't get it too wrong. Um, I'm always here to help you. Um, because so many girls just get it completely wrong and spend a fortune in nursing bras that they shouldn't have to. I would say one thing, independent companies who only make nursing underwear are generally the best people to deal with. So if you're buying online, try and look for 
what isn't obviously a chain store make. Um, companies like, I know Mothercare have gone now in Debenhams, but they were the ones that sold a lot of the bad bras. Um, so stick to good um, companies that only make nursing underwear and you should be fine. And I'm here at the end of the phone or email. So Joe, can you, like, you're working on Zoom just now, so if what any of the ladies are nearly doing, they are like, I do need to get some bras. Okay. How do you work with them? Do, they, do, you, do you say, right, measure yourself, the tape measure, I'll have a look, is that how you're doing it? The first one is, and the, the best one for me, is if you can take a, or get your partner to take a photograph of you with your bra on, a front view, a side view, and a back view, and send it, email it to me. I promise you these photographs won't go anywhere else. Um, but in the past five weeks, I have been doing it that way more than the, the measuring, because the measuring can be so tricky when you've got a heavy bump mm -hmm. in front of you. Yeah. You can try it that way if you're not comfortable with doing that, but... So far, I've been really successful and I had two messages today to say, how did you do that? You got it spot on. And That's because of your experience, Jo. You're so experienced. You're... I, my eye is better than, than a tape measure. Yeah, definitely. In fact, I don't think I even remember you really using a tape measure with me. I think it's you mostly just... A lot more for the customer's benefit because I think they sometimes think um, you can't, you know, you can't possibly know what you're doing unless you use a tape measure. But actually, mm -hmm. my eye is so good now and... A lot of the girls are using FaceTime, just phone me and mm -hmm. you can, all we need is a quick twirl and mm -hmm. I should get it pretty accurate. And of course, mm -hmm. empty plans will be changed if, it, if I got it wrong. If you got it wrong. And are you just putting them in the post or dropping the doorstep? What are you doing? Um, I've got a little helper um, who's posting for me. So they're going out every day. The Royal Mail, I have to say, have been a wee bit slower than normal. So mm -hmm. they go out first class um, and they're generally getting there by the third day. Mm -hmm. um, so so far we've been able to help quite a few and nobody's been stuck um, hopefully this situation will pass soon but we're just all going to have to wait and see yeah. I think like what you say about like the fabric and everything is uh, I would definitely agree because your boobs feel hot don't they like they, they feel it's really hot and you caused that at the beginning so mm -hmm. it takes six weeks for everything to settle down where you feel as if your breast isn't really really warm all the time and mm -hmm. the amount of girls I meet with that have thrush problems because of that, mm -hmm. it's really important. The inside of the bra, though, is so important. And the one fabric to avoid all costs is polyester. Buy nothing with polyester in it. Um, you might get little bits on the trims of your bra or things like that, but if it's in the inside of the cup, you can usually feel it. It feels like a cheap lady's top. Um, mm -hmm. That's the one that I hate, and it causes that's the one that causes all the major problems. If sure. anybody's unsure, they're looking at something online, and they're not sure if they want to buy it or not, please contact me and I'll keep you right. Even if you're not buying them from me, please let me know and I'll keep you right. So I'm going to unmute everybody now, Joe, just so that people can ask you any questions. So has anybody got anything for Joe? So I'm having a mild panic over here in Oslo. <laughs> <laughs> this is my cousin, Julia. This is, remember, Audrey, I told you my cousin in Oslo was coming to class. Can you, you can put internationally Joe, can't you <laughs> what's them um, breastfeeding like culturally and support like over there Jules are they is it encouraged I or yeah I think so but um they've not got great shopping ah. <laughs> so I'm just like looking online as well like where on earth am I going to get these good uh -huh. dads a couple of shops but they're no like they're not the same as the good not shops that you go to at home yeah, I know what you mean. 
Well, you've got a while to go, so Joe can sort you out and post it in plenty of time. Well, that was what my quick. I was going to ask just when is the best time to really be kind of, if you want to go in and get fitted and trying to work out what's the best, are you best to do it while you're still pregnant? Or is it best to wait a few days and just go home and just get the boobs out at home and all that and swinging about? Do it round about your 37th week if you can, 36 to 37. Or contact me just early, a wee bit earlier than that, and I'll work it out for you. Um, okay. If you want to let me work out your size and you could go shopping, um, I'm quite happy to do that for you. Um, but you're best to have them before the baby comes because once the baby's there, um, it's all sometimes it's a bit pear shaped and you end up with nothing for weeks and end. And we don't want you to be one of these ladies who can feed by lifting their t shirt and the boobs just drop out. <laughs> <laughs> I was just having visions of that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I think after a couple of months of lockdown, I think there's a few of us going to be in that position. <laughs> oh, yeah. My, my lovely, my pregnancy ladies will tell you, I, I have not worn a bra since the door's locked. <laughs> but I, I did say to them, I'm living in Joe's feeding vest, which well, I still I, have. Yeah, I still love, I love those feeding vests. They're great for night time. They're brilliant. They're amazing. Um, but I haven't worn I haven't worn an underwire since I wore Joe's bras since since oh, seven wow. years. I don't wear underwires. I just don't. I really don't think they're right. No. I'm going to talk. I'm not going to talk about the patriarchy or do not tonight. <laughs> I know that's a different Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can I just also say that I think it's hilarious that the two dads that were on sat through all that breastfeeding chat, talk about nipples and latches and massage and getting your boobs out. And Joe whipped up a bra, and they were like, I'm out here. <laughs> I know. I don't know if it's even just the clothes, it's clothing, and they're just like, clothing, I shopping know. technically. Boring. Not doing it. Boring. <laughs> anyone else get any questions? Because I don't, I'm conscious that these are all pregnant and shattered. So, anyone get any questions before? And do you know what? See if you think of something after, you know where we all are. Yes. I was going to ask him just so is it like the measurement of your bra change the way you would not normally measure a bra when you're pregnant because I went from being like so June last year I got married and I slimmed down I was like a 32b on my wedding day really small petite and come like me being like maybe like 15 16 weeks pregnant um I was measuring on a normal scale I was still still 32 underneath because my rib cage hadn't changed but I literally was measuring like an e-cup and I was like my god this is unreal um I've obviously like been small all my life and it's like where did these come from um but like so I ordered some from next and I was like came and I was like there's no way these can be my size they were so big but that was me measuring 32 and then an inch for every extra on top and that's what it was measuring that so yeah, I just want to the measuring is really really inaccurate <laughs> yeah some things that you can follow the best thing to do is send me a photograph and I'll tell you what size you are it's really hard to get most girls that measure I mean I had a girl during the week who turned out to be a 36F, but her measurement came out as a 42C when she measured herself. Mm -hmm. it's, it's pretty inaccurate. The way I was trained is very different, but without seeing you, seeing your back, yeah. um, it, it's really difficult to tell you how to do it yourself. But the chances are, if you were 32B, you'll probably be, how many weeks pregnant now? So I'm 35. 35 now. You'll probably be around about 32 double D to E. Yeah. Um, 
Like every, style of bra though can be completely the wrong yeah, for you. That's just what I found. Like just going like and I have had myself professionally measured pre pregnancy when I was thirty two B and that that's what that's what I've been kind of all my life. Maybe went up if I put on a wee bit of weight and stuff like that, went up a cup. Um but just like when I did it, so I went right, I've added something like four inches on here. but yet when you when I tried that get a bra that came and it was like, Oh my god, that's like it was massive for my frame and stuff, but like my breasts had just gone up so much in size. Yeah, so I, was, I would expect a 32B mum to be wearing a 32 double D or thereabouts. Yeah. Breastfeeding. So give me a shout if I can help. Yeah, okay. I actually got you. Somebody sent me your number in December when I announced my pregnancy. I just looked back at my phone there. Yeah. So anyone else? Any last few questions or thanks so much for logging on and there'll oh, be loads of you watching this after as well. Thanks so much really for organising. Mm. Oh you're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you so much. It's really helpful. Yeah, it's really nostalgic for breastfeeding. I know, it's really <laughs> yeah. nostalgic as well. It really I'm does. really looking forward to it again. Like it's just nice. Yeah, oh, it's gonna be great. Uh, I, Leanne, don't worry about the wee one, like, feeding the second time. Like, yeah. Do you know what? They'd be jealous anyway when you were bottled with no breastfeeding. It's just... That's true. Do you know? It doesn't make any difference. You'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Right, cool. I'll send the recording, ladies. Um, and for Audrey's ladies as well, what are we doing next week, guys? I forget. Is it Sarah McMinn doing postnatal stuff or do you yeah pop the link we're meeting for the next few weeks and going out my head oh yes it's um oh no that's that's the last one isn't it jennifer pritchard the last one so we've got a sleep consultant coming on which will be good Uh, i know she's brilliant and sarah mcminn's doing lots of like um postnatal nutrition pelvic floor tummy stuff so that would be nice as well yeah, let us in. We'll come I'll send you all the links. Cool. All right, ladies, I'm going to log off. Thank you so much. Have right. a lot right. of fun. I have the details, ladies, if you don't have them, just ask cool. them to you, okay? Cool. All right, Thank see you, you later, everybody. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.